cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm one of your hosts, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. The other host, the other half of this cross-generational podcast. So, welcome to episode two, Today I Am a Ma'am. <laughs> the follow-up to the pilot for the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And... The synopsis, according to IMDb for this, is frustrated with their single status, Mary and Rhoda invite dates to quote, to a, quote, little gathering at Mary's apartment. Um, before we started watching the episode, we were discussing, Mom, you actually pointed out to me, you're like, it's strange looking at her, her Mary, because she seems so much older than myself than correct than, than you than little baby me than little baby you who's 29 yeah and a half and a half <laughs> and yeah. uh and mary is 30 according to the previous episode where mm-hmm. she went for her job interview and they asked all sorts of inappropriate questions which we didn't talk about in the previous uh, no presbyterian yeah she's presbyterian <laughs> and, and, and 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 why and, aren't you married and yeah and she's not married and no children and is she divorced and all these things that nowadays would be scandalous to be asking in a job interview. Yeah. And illegal. And illegal. And illegal. But regardless, she seems like a very grown-up person. Yeah. And certainly a 30-year-old in 1970 was a grown-up. Yeah. Uh, you were mostly married mm-hmm. and often owned a house and often by then had children. And or they uh, were quickly on the way. Quickly on the way. And so, yeah, that was. it's just an interesting observation that we uh, mature more slowly today. Yeah. And, and we launch more slowly today. Yes. And it's interesting c- keeping that in mind because we started talking about that. And because I don't feel grown up. I don't feel <laughs> like and I'm 29 years old. I'm, I'm almost 30. I do not feel like an adult. Right. And I'm starting to think that the entire concept of feeling like an adult is just a fallacy. It is. And nobody ever feels like an adult. That is true. So do you still not feel like an adult? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is correct. This is correct. I do not feel like an adult. I'm 61. Um, and so that so your feeling of, of the imposter syndrome of age... Yes. Uh, ...actually is, is, I think, is quite true for most of us who were, uh, who were coming of age in 1970 and have yeah. continued... Perhaps our parents felt like adults, but I don't know that I ever did. I would be interested. I, I wish I had asked abuelito or abuelita about that. If they that. felt like adults? Yeah. Yeah. Because that would be interesting to know. No, granted, I don't know how much they would have talked about it because their generation didn't discuss such things. No, and, and I think they didn't have the options that my generation had and the insane number of options that your generation has in yeah. terms of how you want your life to to evolve and to develop mm-hmm. because you can do anything you want and everything is okay. Yes. Yeah. Whereas then 
it Especially was, if you were a woman. Right. You had less options, and or, or if the options were there, they were frowned upon more. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of, like, Mary and Rhoda, mm-hmm. they are young by our standards. They're your age, so I see that yeah. as extremely young, independent young women. They're still looking for husbands, which I, I kind of... Like the active pursuing of husbands? The active pursuing of husbands is kind of there, or so far, dates, but dates that may have a a development into into something more. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the whole idea of being... So when I was... When I was your age, <laughs> which is that's a death knell for any any conversation. When I was your age, that, not anymore, because I yeah. find myself saying that to people who are in their early twenties, and I'm kind of kicking myself because I'm like, I'm not that much older than you. Why the I heck am I saying that? But I am <laughs> much older than you, and I can say when I was your age, yeah, I was already married. Yeah. I was having your brother. I had a mortgage. I had a full time job, and I had all those responsibilities of adulthood. Yeah, did I feel like an adult? Uh, not really. You kind Do of felt I? like you were faking it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And um, Houses were also like $50,000 then, so... Maybe a little bit more, but yeah, not... It was, Didn't you guys pay like 70000 for the house? We paid $80,000 for our house yeah. in Thornhill. That was so, that was, yeah, that was, that was very, a time ago. That was a time ago, and it was very affordable mm-hmm. for... And, you know, both your father and I had jobs, and... And it was fine. It was it was totally doable. Mm-hmm. So the the inaccessibility of home ownership nowadays is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, Mary's apartment in Minnesota, and you pointed this out yeah. that perhaps she can have this lifestyle, this this you know uh, business gal independent lifestyle because she lives in Minnesota as opposed to New York City. Yeah, it's not like in something like Friends where they yeah. they live in one of the most expensive cities in the world yes. and have this grand, sweeping, beautiful two-bedroom apartment with a gorgeous, huge kitchen, with tons of space, a view, floor-to-ceiling windows. Like, that is the unrealistic apartment. Now, granted, Mary's apartment is still, you know, for the top floor of a house, yeah. it's still pretty unrealistically large. But now, granted, it is a bachelor. She sleeps on a pull-out couch. There is sure. no separate bedroom, but it is larger but it's also it's in minnesota so maybe houses there are larger because there's more space but also just the cost of renting an apartment and you know the general cost of living like it's not like they've thrown her into this insanely expensive city and expected her to just magically flourish they've put her in a fairly realistic position at like not the best agency Mm -hmm. like not the best television network in the world and like she's able to just kind of make it work Right. But in this episode, speaking of the network, they they start off with discussing that the network's ratings are down, specifically amongst the, quote, young demographic. And Mary chimes in saying, well, I don't know. I still really enjoy the show, and I've been watching the show long since I, before I, I worked here. And, and Ed Asner kind of looks at her and goes... Well, you're not young. And she, and she's like, shocked. Excuse me? What do you mean? It's like, well, the, the young age demographic caps yes. off at 29, at 29. So, you're, so you're not young anymore. And then when somebody, some like intern or something, is leaving the room, he says, excuse me, ma'am. And she doesn't hear him. She doesn't think that he's talking to her. And he has to repeat himself a couple times and repeatedly refers to her as ma'am. And she's kind of sitting there in Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> you talking to me? You talking to me? What? So, and that kind of jumps off this whole discussion of when did I get old? Yeah. Like, when did this happen? 
And I mean, I do you remember the first time you were ever manned? I can't say that I do, but but like I can't remember the the instance. Yeah. But I remember being shocked. Yeah. And it's like mm, you can't be talking to me. Yeah. That's that's just not okay. I remember the first time I was manned, and I wanted to punch the person. <clears throat> it was I was in university. I was were still they twelve? Basically. Oh, okay. Basically. So they you're, were, you're just sold by their standards. Probably. But I was still in university. I couldn't have been older than 20. Yeah, I must have been like 20 years old or something. At most, mm-hmm. maybe 21. And I was in like a top shop or something at the local mall in Hamilton. And I was looking around and some punk kid who was working at the store comes up to me and goes, do you need any help, ma'am? And I kind of like turned around and looked at him and was like, excuse you? <laughs> did you just call me ma'am I, I was maybe like two years older than him right maybe and he ma'amed me but you have a presence about you so it's different yeah you choose screw presence so if you if you are missed instead of ma'amed if someone says excuse me miss is that okay miss feels less like a punch to the gut miss somehow feels less derogatory Mm. Ma'am feels derogatory. Okay. I don't know if I'm alone in that. I get it, but I think it's meant to be polite. Oh, for sure. It's meant to be, if in doubt, be more polite. So therefore, ma'am is... Is is, the most polite. Is the most polite way of addressing a person. But there is a certain implication of age. Absolutely. You're matronly. ma'am. Yes. Yes. You're a matron. It's like you picture the queen. You are deserving of... Of a bow? Of, of, a, of a bow of a and a curtsy. curtsy. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, that just didn't... That Oh, God, that, that still doesn't sit well with me. To me, if you're calling somebody ma'am, you're trying to put them in their place. Mm. But, and that's, but it's also a kind of a product of a bygone era. Like, even here, you see that she reacts really viscerally to being referred to as ma'am. Right. And, that's a, that, and that is a pretty modern concept. Like when you think about it, yeah. about her reaction is a pretty modern thing. The other thing I was going to mention with respect to how you address people is um, this Armand, who is one of the guests at this little gathering, yeah. who brings his wife, uh-huh. unbeknownst to Rhoda. Who to, was... Yeah, to give a little bit of, of background here, when, when Mary comes home after this incident and Rhoda's sitting with her at the kitchen table, they're having breakfast together because they're now best friends, which is amazing. Yeah. Um... Rhoda starts talking about how she wants them to start trying to date. Like, hey, if you remember a, a guy that you were once interested in, give him a call. I'll give this guy Armand a call. I hit him with my car the other day, so I want to go out with him. And there's all sorts of fun exchanges. So they invite uh, Armand over for a drink, and Mary reconnects with this old flame named Howard. And it's a nightmare. Just a nightmare. The clingiest, most ridiculous human being on the planet. And so that's when, yeah, they they invite these people over. And it turns out Armand is married. Freshly married. Freshly married. Which, when they come to the door, as you were going to say. Yes. So when, when Armand and Nancy come to the door... He introduces himself as whatever, Armand Hi, Smith. I'm, yes, I'm Mr. Armand Smith. Smith. I don't remember his last name. And this is Mrs. Armand Smith. And I'm like, oh my God, who does that yeah. anymore? But I guess in 1970, you referred to your wife as your property. as mm. uh, it. So her first name doesn't even come into the picture. No. It is, you are Mrs. John Smith. Exactly. Uh, and that was, and again, that was normal and a, a formal and appropriate way 
of introducing the wife of someone as kind of proprietary. Proprietary. Which you are the property so of that man. Yeah, it is. Like that's, that's so twisted. Yeah. And she's so happy to be called Mrs. Armand whatever the hell. She's thrilled. It's, she is a new wife. Yeah, that is her lot in life. And of course she's pretty and petite and perky and, perky and, and blonde. And, and Rhoda starts eating. Yes. Because <laughs> she needed she said she wanted to lose ten pounds by, by eight thirty. Yeah. And then as soon as she saw Nancy, the new the new wife of her of her formerly intended boyfriend. Uh, she starts eating. Dumps, so, dumps all the bacon, that's the, the bacon chips bacon on curls. her lap, the bacon curls on her lap, and just starts eating. And it's oh my god, it's so funny. It's a very funny scene. It's a, yeah. Do you know what I remember? And this is apropos of Mrs. of Mrs. Armand, whatever. Yeah. I remember your aunt, your father's sister. Yeah. Signing her name on a check. As Mrs. Mrs. Moskowitz. Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but oh right. my God! But it might have been 1970. I don't. Well, know. probably. Well, I'd imagine oh, it would have been 75. Anyway, it was a yeah. long time ago. But I remember being kind of raising an eyebrow at watching her make this signature, because I I never. You I, never would have done that with that. I never would have done that. I it would never have occurred to me not to put my first name. Yeah. It 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 erases your identity as a woman, as mm-hmm. a person. You're just a piece of property to your husband, at least on paper. Yeah. And it's it's that in and of itself I think is an interesting conversation because I've had that talk with other women who are more than happy to take their husband's last name. I mean, you, yeah. you took dad's last name, you now have Carrie's last name. Right. I don't think you would have gone back to Baronholtz. If I had, and I think that 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 was that that was a, a thought process that I went through at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was married to your father for many years, and then he and I um, divorced very amicably. Yeah. So I didn't feel this need that a lot of women do when they when when it's a very um, adversarial and acrimonious divorce, where they want to divest themselves of any um, attachment to that other person, mm-hmm. including the name. Yeah. So had had that been the case, I would have gone back to Baronholtz, in which case I probably would have stayed with Baronholtz. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I but that never happened, and it seemed strange to keep your former husband's name. Well, definitely that, but it also would have seemed strange to at that point years later to revert back to Baronholtz instead of just going to McCon. Fair. Yeah. So that was that was the rationale mm-hmm. in in my in mind. Your yeah. And I know I've spoken to a lot of women around my age who are getting married who are, like I said, very happy to take their husband's mm-hmm. last name. It's almost kind of like a badge of honor, and in in I some think, ways, I think Amal Clooney kind of uh, rekindled the idea uh, that you can be. Um, a, a professional woman with worldwide um, accolades for the work that you do mm-hmm. and still take your husband's name and be okay with that. Yeah, and it's always really fun, specifically with the Clooney's. It, every now and then there have been, you know, the odd, there's been the odd article where it's George Clooney and wife. <laughs> and then I keep seeing people also flipping that delightfully. Because to be honest... I'm not Clooney George, and husband. Yes. yes. And, and actor-husband. Actor you know, husband. international yeah. l- lawyer Amal Clooney and actor-husband actor George. Right. And that just tickles me so much. That just makes me so happy. Yeah. Because, because why the hell not? She does amazing things. Yes, she, is she does. She's such an incredible woman. Yes, she does. You know... And, and in the grand scheme of things, her work is more important than his infinitely so yeah yeah but you know i don't think i mean 
Bob and I have been together for four years. I don't see myself being with anybody else. If we do ever get married, I don't honestly see myself taking his name. And we've discussed that. And he's totally cool with it, and he doesn't really care. And what would be your rationale for taking or not taking your future husband's name? I like my name. I wouldn't want to change it. I'm so pleased that you like your name. I gave it to you. You did. <laughs> yes, you did. You gave it to me from before the record, despite all of the Little Mermaid jokes. I'm not named after the Little Mermaid. I came first. <laughs> you named me after a Shakespearean character from The Tempest. Correct. And, yeah, no, I like my name. I like my name a lot. I take a lot of pride in it. I like building... I've, I've built an identity around my name. I was very true. attached to yeah. it. I... And I'm proud of it. I, I don't... And so you should. Yeah. And I don't feel any need to change it. No. And, you know, Ariel Barrow sounds a little strange to me. It sounds <laughs> a little foreign. I don't want to have to get used to that. That's that's strange. But I get, I get wanting to take the name. I get not wanting to take the name. But I most importantly think that at this point in time, it, women now... Choices. Exactly. Everything is about choices. And in, in, and going back to the whole mm-hmm. um, scenario of how things were, let's say, in my parents' generation and in my generation and now in your generation, and I think the choices that, you, that your generation has, are there are more of them and they are more diverse and they are more open-ended. Mm-hmm. And I think that creates a lot of stress. It can, yeah. Um, it's it's a good and a bad thing. It's, it's almost both. yeah. It's almost like people graduating <laughs> from their undergrad who can't who are they have too many options to make a decision, yes. so they just go straight yeah. ahead and go into a master's degree, yeah, and then maybe another one, and then maybe a PhD yeah. because they don't take the time because to sit back it's, because it's easier to be in school and be still a work in progress mm-hmm. than to come out and say now what am I going to do with my life? Yeah, and sometimes when you have the luxury of having those systemic choices available to you like Mm -hmm. staying in school longer and doing the master's degree or Mm -hmm. getting married and taking the name Mm -hmm. or getting married and having the kids and following in that kind of designated path when you have that privilege of access to that sometimes it's just easier to do it and sometimes that's the right choice and sometimes sometimes that's also the wrong choice and And sometimes it's a delaying tactic yes I think often it that's an unfair statement because I think a lot of people do want to move ahead and mm-hmm. have a career path that they have chosen. Yeah. But I think if in doubt, you choose to stay in school because you can. Yeah. Because you haven't really made up your mind and more education um, generally is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be out there. It's yeah. hard to just kind of be floating in the world yeah. without the safety net of the ivory towers yeah. or without the safety net of the wedding band. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's a shame, I think, because I, women, for the most part, I think, have, have historically been kind of undercut that way mm-hmm. and that we're made to think that those are okay safety nets to have and that those are the only safety nets we have. Either we stay in school and follow that clear-cut path, or we get married and follow that clear-cut path. And you're starting to see this huge divergence. Like, that's not... That isn't so much the norm anymore. Mm -hmm. But the notion of that level of independence, especially for certain women, still feels very foreign. It's still... It's still intimidating. You know, women's liberation isn't that old. So you still have kind of the residual impact of the older generation seeping through family lineage and kind Mm -hmm. of making us feel like we must 
like like those options are the safe, comfortable options for a woman. And now, obviously, I'm not speaking to the experience of of, of other of, of other women of color or of other financial right. limitations, but for the most part, and that's something that I think we see a lot of in Mary, and especially in this episode. You know, the first episode of the entire series. She leaves her her boyfriend, makes the conscious decision. She could have gone. He obviously would have taken her back and would have wanted to be back with her. Whether or not marriage would have happened is a different story. Right. But she could have conceivably moved back home with him mm-hmm. and been with him even if they didn't get married and eventually right. would have gotten married. And he's a doctor, so he would have taken care of her. Right. But she's made the co- the conscious choice to do away with that and forge her own unconventional path in a sea of men, predominantly. Sure. She's the, so far, she's the only woman in, in that, that newsroom. Yeah. Yeah. And so far, she, I think she's being treated, from what we can see, yeah. she's being treated as an equal in the sense that there's not a lot of, of um, sexual innuendo or no. any kind of sexist remarks. Not there's well. Patri- and there's a little bit of patronizing patriarchal remarks, I yes. think Mr. Grant is is so much older and he's he's like a grumpy father figure a little bit yeah and yeah. even in the last step in the first episode when he's you know saying you've got a great caboose and she's like oh yes mary i'll give you work to do and she's kind of take, talking in her head and you know what she's thinking is oh okay so the boss wants to sleep the with boss me. wants to sleep with me yeah and that quickly gets undercut by his sentimentality about his own wife now granted that's super sweet He's still being incredibly sexist in the for process. Sure. For sure. And that's, but I think at the time you would have kind of ignored that a little bit and gone, yeah. oh, it's coming from a sweet place. Yeah. Whereas now we wouldn't let that slide as much. No. But in this particular episode, you know, they're kind of bored with the fact that they're sitting around feeling old and being made to feel old and they don't have any dates. So right. they're kind of, in the back of their mind, I think they still have this fresh feeling of, well, we're women, so we probably should date, because yeah. I guess the end game is that we wind up with somebody, because being alone is just, then we become spinsters. Right. And that's still very much... And yet, and yet, I think Rhoda makes some comment uh, somewhere along the line where um, she made some comment about you that women can have perfectly happy lives without dates mm-hmm. or without the prospect of marriage looming around the corner. Yeah. So she does say that. And yet, I think society doesn't really allow them, at that early stage, to feel good about that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was pretty common yet. No. And especially no. in the show. Like, they do a very good job, though, of being kind of open about it and about these mm-hmm. single these single women looking to date. And even if it's just for the sake of something of, to do on having, Saturday night. Of having fun. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. so. God forbid women have fun with, you know, dating and sex and sexuality. What right. a concept. Now, the whole sex thing... That doesn't really factor in. It doesn't really factor in, and I guess as we go through the episodes, we'll find out whether that is even implied, mm-hmm. because this was still early days, and in the first episode, when the dumped boyfriend comes back to visit, mm-hmm. the implication is that he wants to have sex with her without the without promise the of marriage. Exactly. And so she kind of dumps him for reason, for many reasons, including that one. Yeah. So that there's still that that morality issue of, of, I've dated you for two years, you haven't proposed marriage, and now you're coming back and implying that we should sleep together, and that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. No, and that yeah, there is an element of kind of, I guess that chastity, that that yeah. that purity. Yeah, that's we keep it locked until marriage. Yeah. yeah, which is also I guess. 
Yeah, there is definitely that implication that if you're not in a serious commit, obviously they were premarital. They were having premarital sex. Oh, I don't know that that's obvious at all. No, I don't think that that's necessarily an implied. No, really. Yeah, because to me that seems implied, but then maybe that's also me. That's a product of your generation. Fair, fair. Because that's the default. Yeah. Is that you assume that if you're dating somebody, you then know, you're sleeping with them. You're sleeping with them that because was, that is so not uh, a thing. A thing. So even at the time, that would have been complete. Yeah. Like premarital sex would have been just too taboo to represent. No, I wouldn't say. I mean, this was post pill. Okay. Yes. True. Um, but I think it would have been something. And she was, well, she she's thirty in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a given. Okay. It would not have been a given as it is now. Okay. Yeah. So, different point of view. Yeah, completely. Because that, to me, is kind of that she put the brakes, she put the kibosh on him trying to have sex with her because, Because well, it's not going to go. Because it's not going to go anywhere and you, you know, I I, I want for more now. Right. Not necessarily because, well, you're not going to propose marriage, so why would I sleep with you? Like, it it didn't connect to... In right. my mind, that way. Right. Because why on earth? Yeah. But it's, uh, I'm reminded, I don't know why, but the whole, you know, you're over the hill thing makes me think of, and directly related to marriage, because there is, I guess, that implication that she's 30, she's not divorced, but she's also never been married, so she's kind of past her prime. Yep. That kind of resonates with me because of when I was in Southeast Asia, I went backpacking in Southeast Asia about five years ago. And when we were going from Laos back to Thailand, we took a boat along the Mekong River and stopped off and stayed with this uh, like little tribe that lived there. And our tour guide kind of translated everything for us, and we, we were speaking with some of the village elders and some of, and the chief of that uh, of that tribe of that town and everything. And they they were asking us so many questions because at this point in the trip, the only people that were left on the tour were women. And we were all in our 20s. Now, at the time, I guess it was five years ago, I was about 20, or four and a half. I was about um, 25. Okay. And they were asking about my husband and about my kids hmm. and, and asking, you know, how old my kids were and how many I had. And I was saying, oh, I don't have any children. I'm also not married. And, and people laughed. And they giggled and were kind of in awe, like, wait, 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 how old are you again? And I would tell them I'm 25. And what they told us, they translated it through, obviously, our our tour guide. And he's kind of snickering and looking at us like, oh, this isn't going to go well. (laughs) If you are over the age of, I think it was 20 or 21, and you haven't, A, gotten married, or B, had kids, you are considered expired. Oh, wow. So by 25, I was told... You are an expired. I am an expired. Your best before date has, has happened. <laughs> I, I, I am an expired woman. The eggs are bad. Take them off the shelf. We're done. And that was kind of shocking to me because yeah. I'm kind of sitting here going, I'm still a baby. What are you talking about? I don't oh, have yeah. this. So it's it's kind of funny to see that represented. The cultural differences are huge. Well, the cultural differences are huge, but you can still kind of see, at least historically at the time, that... For 30, if they didn't, like, it was kind of shit or get off the pot, yeah. right? Like, and, and you can see them exhibiting this pressure. Mm-hmm. But so in so doing, they call Armand and they call Howard and they invite them over for a drink that gets mistaken for dinner. 
and then everybody's hungry. <laughs> and then but, that's the end of the and very, very, very awkward evening. Very awkward evening. But it's hilarious because I found it really interesting when Mary gets off the phone with Howard and he's talking about, you know, he's asking her, do you need chairs? Are you good for glasses? Oh, yeah. Are you, do you need this? Do you need that? And she's desperately trying to get off the phone and like making up excuse after excuse after excuse. My bath I've got is something, running over. My bath water's running over. There's something on the stove. Somebody's calling me. I just have to go. And then he, she hangs up the phone and goes, oh, I remember. And I was like, what? And she's like, I remember why I didn't, that didn't work out. It's too much. And she yeah. says, what do you mean? It's too much giving and yes. too much love and too much needing and too, too much, much caring. Everything. And it's just too much. And then Rhoda turns and says, well, you know, if, as my grandmother used to say, if that's the worst you ever deal with, consider yourself lucky or something yeah. like that, which is such a, you know, a booby sentiment. But it is... That, that kind of resonated. I get yeah. that. I totally get that. And I, and I don't know whether that's this particular character, the Howard character, mm-hmm. uh, and is... Is he the kind of character that women cringe at because they want independence? Now, there's obviously there is the uh, the, the polar opposite, the guy who doesn't give a shit about anything and yes. doesn't give you the time of day. I don't think anybody wants that in a relationship. No. But this guy is too much. Too much of said. everything. Too much of everything. He smothers you yes. with attention. Sm- but it's also, it becomes... It's smarmy. In, it's smarmy and yeah. it becomes incredibly inappropriate, especially yes. when he shows up. And yeah. it's just gawking at her physicality and yes. how, oh my God, you're such a knockout. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. And all of this pressure and, and on you nothing get, but her looks. And you get better with age. Yes. You said and that. it's like, you're oh. better than ever. And so the whole age thing comes into completely into that conversation as well. And it's, it's just, it, you're right, it's smarmy. It's and smarmy. It's, and it's yes. so inappropriate. It's cringe-inducing. Oh, my God. The entire episode, I was just cringing, yeah. going, ew, ew, ew. Yeah, ew. Did you ever date anybody who was like that when you were growing up? Anybody who, was too, who like, fawned over you too much or was just way too much? Let me think. I, I met your father in high school, and there were a few other kind of guys in between. Yeah. There were some at, a, at very young ages, you know, like when I was, like, 14 or so. Does yeah. that even count? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. I think it's important to... That, that That actually raises an interesting question of at what age do we start to hold young men accountable for the way they interact with and treat women? Yeah. And I think that even if you are 14 years old, even if you are a teenager, you're you're participating in the social construct of, of dating. Yes. And that is... That comes with certain rules, certain regulations, certain obligations mm-hmm. and conformities. Certain societal norms. Exactly. That change over time. Oh, yes. And that change with age. Yes. There are certain things that are a little forgivable as a teenager right. in terms of being a little too needy, maybe yeah. being a little smothery on either side. Yeah. And that just comes down to learning about personal boundaries and the boundaries of others. And, and being able to read people. Yes. I think that's that's highly important in, in any kind of relationship mm-hmm. that you have. With a potential mate and with friends. And and I'm sure you've been in situations where you're with people and you go, wow, you're not getting the the nuances and the dynamics of what's going on in this room. Mm -hmm. And and, um, that's cringeworthy in In itself. itself. But uh, I haven't really too many stories, probably because I haven't dated very much. Fair, fair. (laughs) I've had two husbands. Um, but, and, 
and I th and I think from time to time the husbands were a little too needy for me. There. And I, but that's my personality as well. That I'm quite happy. You're very independent. You've I'm always been very yeah. independent. So I tend to kind of build a few walls that kind of say, "Don't invade my space," and mm -hmm. and fend for yourself a little bit more. I don't need you. The amount of that of of not needing the other person is the amount that I would like them to not need me. Yes, I'd like that to be equal. Yeah, and it often isn't. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I definitely get that. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's a hard balance to strike, it and is. that also comes down to is that just a matter of personal difference from person to person? I think so. Or does that come down to you know kind of the issue of sexual politics? As women, are we expected to be needy creatures? Are we expected to be? more in need of attention particularly from a man and as time goes on a spouse and, and to be able to just kind of give of ourselves that much right like especially at the time I think that was a part of the construct of wifelyhood was it not um yes I was, I was going to mention something else and this just occurred to me in 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 view of I just spent three days with a, a couple of women friends who are of my who are my age, so mm -hmm. we're all we're all roughly the same age. We've all had multiple marriages um, and or relationships, and so we've you know we've we've experienced life. Mm -hmm. And um, we were one of the women is building a house, and one of the construction guys, uh, she was commenting, and he's a young guy, and he has a young girlfriend and she was commenting on how good looking he was mm -hmm. and how he looks like Brad Pitt mm -hmm. and uh, and I made the comment to her that we can admire mm -hmm. just you know good looking guy mm -hmm. and then we kind of take a step back and go he's our son's age <laughs> and he would look and, and, and they wouldn't have the first inkling of us as sexual beings no we are old ladies oh, and it's very demoralizing yeah but true. Yeah. But it's also even considering that stereotype that if this if the genders were reversed in that instance, yeah, you would be bat, you wouldn't bad night. You wouldn't bad night. No. Yeah. For 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 a man in his 60s to be interested in a woman in her 20s is infinitely more socially acceptable right. than vice versa. Yeah. And frankly, it's unfair. Yeah, totally unfair. It's completely unfair. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it speaks to what we consider the the um, immaturity of men that if they were in a relationship with an older, with a considerably older woman, mm -hmm. as she got older, yeah, they would lose interest. Well, that's and that's what everything suggests yes. in terms of media representation, yes. right? That all of yes. the affairs happen as you know the couple who are of similar ages. Usually, the wife is still maybe anywhere from two to five years younger than the husband to begin with. That's right. But as they approach aging together she becomes obsolete. Yep. You need to trade in for the younger yep. model. And yep. that's represented as being okay way too often. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that... Marriages change. Humans grow. They change. They grow apart or they grow together. These things just kind of happen. But that direct correlation between it being more acceptable for a man to do that is just... It's like, a double standard. It's 2017. Like, that's no yeah. longer yeah, a thing. Over. That's, yeah. Yeah. No. Women are sexual creatures. They have needs. They have wants. They're entitled to it. Yes, they are. But I had, just on the topic of um, the bad dates, the Howards. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I dated somebody briefly when I was, I think it was at the tail end of high school, or like 
just after. I can't, it was around that time. I think I was maybe 18, 19, give or take. Probably a bit younger, actually. Yeah. And I dated this guy who was so needy and so clingy. He just wanted to, like, if he was driving us somewhere, I had to hold his hand. Oh, no. While he was driving. Oh, no. And it was, you know, if we were out in public, he had to hold my hand. Or he had to, like, hug me whenever there was a spare moment. Or anything like that. And it just got so much that I'm kind of, like, thinking it's, about... too much. This isn't going to work. You know, the sex is good, but this isn't going to work. Nah. And I can't keep doing this. And this is ridiculous. And then... And then the levy broke. And he paid for a night stay at, like, some expensive hotel downtown. I can't remember what it was. Tickets to see Dirty Dancing when it was playing in, like, the, the play. Oh, yeah. When it was playing downtown. So mm-hmm. good tickets for that, which are freaking expensive. Uh, a stay in an expensive hotel, which ha- is, like, a couple hundred dollars. For sure. And he bought me to, to where to attend the thing... He bought me a BCBG floor-length gown that had to have been $800. No way. Yes. I was livid. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And what was worse was it was the dress that finally sent me over the edge because it was kind of this... Everything else to me was like, this is a sweet gesture, but it's infinitely too much. We've only been dating a couple of months and Mm. we're freaking teenagers. Like, this is ridiculous. And he was the teenager as well. Oh, yeah. Same age. And he gave me this dress. And I, th- I think you, I think you and Carrie were away. We were living in this house, mm-hmm. and I literally threw him out of the house. I, I gave him back the dress. I was livid, and I'm looking at him, going, "This is you're trying to buy me. Yeah. You're trying to dress me. You're, you're trying, trying to, to make me into. Me. Yeah, you're trying to control me. You're trying yeah. to make me into." And a, a, a stylized image of what you think a girlfriend should be. Exactly. To do yeah. the things that you think I'm yeah. supposed to do. To go to the do. clubs and look pretty. And to go to the plays and look pretty. Yeah. And to stay at the hotels and look pretty, look pretty. And to fit into this caricature and do these things. Now, granted, it was an incredibly nice dress. But, <laughs> and I, but, and it was also, I liked that gown. And if I'd had a need for it, I would have wanted to buy that for myself. Yeah. I would have wanted to do that for myself. It's the kind of gesture that that someone might do for their partner after 10 years of marriage. Well, exactly. Not after two months of dating. No. No. Yeah. There is a stage in time where giving somebody a really nice gift just because is kind of, is totally okay. It's lovely. And perfectly acceptable. And in fact, kind of appreciated. For sure. Whereas when you're just starting to date somebody, you start lavishing them with tons of expensive stuff. And it's, it's just why. They're buying why? something. Exactly. They're buying something. It's, it's, and it's so not okay. Like, no. I mean, my idea. Bob and I had been dating for, I think, a little over a year or so. I think we were already living together. And I bought him, for the for the first time, I bought him a, a, a por si acaso, a just because gift. Right. That was the Criterion edition of Godzilla. Perfect. And that was like 30-odd dollars. But that's you know? the right gift for him. It, yeah. But you knew him well enough exactly. to know that. But it's also not an $800 gown. Mm. Like, what the hell? I remember being furious. And that was... For some reason, all the physical stuff I kind of pushed off and was just like, okay, whatever. Eventually, this will fizzle out. I'll get tired of you and we'll we'll call it quits. We'll move on. But this happened. And it was like, nope, how did you're out, leave. So, so how did he react to being thrown out of the house? He was, at first, he was really apologetic. And he was super, was he you know, please forgive me. And he was a little embarrassed. And then he got angry. Oh, okay. And then he got very, you're just so ungrateful. 
this is, you know, you told me you liked this dress and this was all stuff that you wanted anyways. And then it gets into the, the, like the victim shaming. After all I've done for you kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is again, kind of, you know, we talk, I was mentioning earlier about the importance of holding young boys responsible to how they behave. Yeah. You know, they may be young, they may be inexperienced, and there will be some things that they do. That they get wrong. Exactly. Yeah. But this was a pretty glaring problem. And to me, that says that he wasn't, that he wasn't taught properly from a young age. And you have to wonder where this came from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where did he learn that this kind of over-the-top generosity with strings Mm -hmm. is okay? Yeah. And that kind of level of control and like what, no. where does it's it? Well, creepy. Yeah. yeah. None of it was okay. No. It wasn't at all. And no. And I, I like that they kind of showcased some of that in this episode with Mary being so viscerally uncomfortable. With Howard. With Howard. Yes. But at the same time, it's very much got that stamp of 1970 that she still doesn't really put her foot down. No. She smiles and she's the nice girl. Yeah. She, she continues to play the nice girl role in ways that I think we, with the benefit of hindsight mm-hmm. and of how the world has progressed over the last 40 years, know that if, if that was you sitting <clears> in that room... Mm-hmm. You wouldn't you wouldn't do those those kind of squirmy maneuvers to try and get out of his grasp or no. you you would just kind of say Howard this was a mistake you'd put um, yeah you'd, you'd put, put your foot, foot down, down and stand say, up for yourself and say no yes is too much this I need is my much. space yeah you have to lay off yeah and just that's it I mean we have to take it into the context of <clears throat> this is a comedy show yes so you need that that physical comedy yes because it is very funny. It, it is. It's hilarious. Cringeworthy, but funny. It's, but, the, and that's also part of the Catch-22 of it all, yeah. right? The way that is now, like, you'd have something different, but it was still okay at the time mm-hmm. to kind of capitalize on the subjugation of women. Yeah. For the sake of the gag. Yep. And that's, yep. and, and she deals with it very well and kind of sees it writing its way out and, and lets it happen. But that discomfort is so prevalent in the way so many women feel, even still today, around men who are just a little too forceful. Mm -hmm. And you don't really feel, I think, because that look plays off as comedy on the show, and it is really funny, and I don't feel bad about laughing at it. But in the way that translates now is, and even just in daily life, is fear. Yes. It's, you don't know, you're very aware in the back of your mind that this is a man. And with that comes the implication of force, of strength, of privilege, and of dominance. Yes. Which are all, most of them societal constructs. I know that I've had men be inappropriately lavishing of compliments Mm -hmm. and things like that with Mm -hmm. me. I've had that. I've had that as well. And you kind of smile and and thank you. And that's fine. Yeah. Or, you know, and you have to kind of play it off as if you're grateful for the attention Mm. because when you don't, it backfires and you're afraid of what that, like I've had those feelings that you see in Mary's face where you're kind of, I don't know what to do here. I'm uncomfortable. Yes. And, and there's no graceful way of getting out of this uncomfortable situation. Without offending them right. or putting myself at risk. And, of course, we are socialized into not offending. Yeah. 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 I think a little less so now. Like, I've started, I've, mm-hmm. I, 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 I 
I still have that, but I'm starting to put, I'm starting to find myself in a position where I care a lot less. Yeah. Whereas if somebody cat calls me now on the street, I will, I will tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I will promptly say, nope, not appropriate in no way, shape or form. Yeah. You do not yell at, at, at other people on the street to do something like that's just not okay. Yeah. That is no longer appropriate. But, but there are still instances where I don't and instances where it, it becomes incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. But we're expected to just suck it up. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I'm out, let's say, walking the dog, mm-hmm. and if I'm wearing, you know, my hair in a ponytail and sunglasses and a baseball cap, it's kind of hard to tell how old I am. And I, and I get looks and I'm like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> you know, you're 35. You don't know that I'm a grandmother, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> but you're, but you don't, to, to be fair, you also really don't look your age. I appreciate that, but, you know. But um, still. But still, it's I, I, I find it, at this age, I find it completely amusing mm-hmm. that if they came a little closer and they kind of saw my face. But then I'm also walking a really big, ferocious-looking dog. So, hey, and that's not okay. ferocious-looking. To, to, the, to, to, to the average, but, you know, passerby, she's, she's kind of, she could be a little intimidating. She's not a little white, yuppie dog, you know, with fluff. True. She is a medium-sized dog. She's a medium-sized dog with a, with a snout and with ears. With a snout, who definitely has German Shepherd in her. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry to digress, audience. Uh, <laughs> it's what we're good It's what we're good at. You'll get a lot of it. But uh, back to the show, I found uh, Rhoda's comments about, so, so Rhoda's date comes with his new wife. Yes. And her her running gag with the date with the wife is that she's now friends with a couple. Yeah. So she's now, you know, the the best friend of the wife. Yeah. Because she now dates a couple instead of the instead individual. Of, yeah. Which, which is a very funny, I think it's a very uh, sort of cynical and humorous way of dealing with her disappointment at finding that this man that she was hoping to date mm-hmm. is newly married. Yeah. To a lovely, beautiful woman. Yeah. Who, who is Mrs. Armand. Yes, who is Mrs. Armand. Who has no name. Who has, yes, no name, yeah. no identity, no yeah. stamp of herself. Yeah. Rhoda's Poor hilarious. Rhoda's very funny. I she's cannot, got that, she's got that, she, that New York Jew humor, self-deprecating kind yeah. of humor. And she, and she does, she legitimately does not care what anybody thinks no. about her. No. She will say what she's going to say. She yeah. will be frank and blunt. She ain't got filters. No. She's the perfect... She is the She's perfect, the perfect foil. Yes. Yeah. For Mary. Yeah. Completely. Proper Mary. Because Mary is very proper. She's She doesn't necessarily know how much to stand up for herself, yeah. what to do. And I'm assuming she comes into her own more as the show progresses. I think so. Yeah. But she still has that sweetness about her, and yeah. she always does. And Rhoda still has that that edge about her, and yes. she always does. But I think as the show progresses, both of those extremes become softer. Yeah, and but kind of balance each other. I mean, they rub Mary, off on each other. They rub off on each other. Mary gets more of a backbone, and Rhoda softens her edges. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited to see yeah, how that progresses. Yeah, it's fun. It's very fun. So next week on After All... We will be looking at episode, the third episode, Bess, You Is My Daughter Now. And according to that, so next next week on, on After All, Mary agrees to take care of Phyllis's precocious daughter for a few days. So you know that's going to go well. You know that's going to be interesting. So tune in next week to the show, and 
see what happens with the precocious little Bess. And in the meantime, you can find us on... Last week, I didn't know exactly where you could find us on Instagram. We were lost in space. We, we were lost in space. But you can email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at afterallpodcast. So all three social media platforms at afterallpodcast. And, of course, you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, the Pocket Casts app, and iTunes. Please share us with your friends on iTunes. Like the show. Uh, give it a rating. Subscribe to the show. The more you subscribe on iTunes, the more visible we become. The more people get to find our show and share it with us. And, and we're we, so much fun. We are. We want people to like us. We do. We want people to like us and like our show and engage with it. So do engage with it. And, of course, thanks to Modern Superior for giving us a lovely home. And we'll catch you next time on After All.